1: The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world, by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Welcome to The Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, The Reasonable Voice. And my Reasonable Voice guest today is Kimberly A. Johnson. Born in Baltimore, Maryland, and raised in Southern California, Kimberly A. Johnson is the host of the Start Me Up podcast. She's an author, activist for women's rights, and she has written for HuffPost. Ms. Johnson is the director of media and public relations spokesperson for the national advocacy group We Are Woman. Kimberly Johnson's first foray into fiction is a young adult novel inspired by one of her favorite authors, Judy Blume, and is titled Peyton's Choice. Her entry into the women's rights movement began when she was asked to be the spokesperson for RTSV United during the 2012 election season, and in the summer of 2012 she gave a speech at the We Are Woman rally on the west lawn of the Capitol building in Washington, D.C., She is also a political blogger and is well known for her outspoken stance on the need to enshrine women's rights in the U.S. Constitution. In her activities on behalf of women's rights, Kimberly has worked with We Are Woman, Progressive Democrats of America, Women Matter, ERA Action, and various other organizations in an effort to remove the congressionally imposed deadline from the Equal Rights Amendment. While in her twenties, Kimberly studied the Meisner Techniques at Dvorak & Company Acting Studio and worked in several commercials and television programs, her most prominent role, a police officer on the popular daytime drama Days of Our Lives, continued for over seven years. Working in conjunction with her mother and business partner, Ann Werner, she is the author of 2 nonfiction anthologies, The Virgin Diaries and Ain't No Sunshine, Men Review- the pain of heartbreak. She is the sole author of American Woman, The Pole Dance, Women and Voting, and that poll is spelled P-O-L-L. She now resides in Washington, D.C., where she spends her days writing, podcasting, and working to further women's rights. Welcome, Kimberly A. Johnson, to The Reasonable Voices. How are you today?
0: very much, and I'm doing very well.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I'm really appreciative of your being on the show. This is great, but I have to say with RTSV and soap opera career and women's rights and being an author, we could talk about a plethora of topics, but let's start. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thanks for agreeing with that laughter, but let's start with the Wednesdays in January. I mean, Wednesday, January sixth was insurrection. Wednesday, January thirteenth, the impeachment, and Wednesday, January twentieth, inauguration of a new president. How would you connect those dots?
0: Oh well, um, that's a that's a big question. And obviously, the the insurrection was something that was surprising to everybody. But interestingly, as days continued more and more information was coming out about it and it was incredibly upsetting to see what had actually happened especially when we got that report last week from the New Yorker there was a reporter from the New Yorker that was inside of the building while they were going on while they were on the Senate floor the insurrectionists and and just behaving very badly Mm. Um, I you know fortunately the Democrats in my opinion were strong and they were able to execute a, a very quick impeachment, and obviously now it goes to the Senate, and I don't really know what's going to happen, But no, and, and now we have this new president. And I will say that it's obviously, I think a lot of us are breathing a big sigh of relief. Mm. We feel, you know, 80, you know eight, more than 81 million of us are feeling relieved, even some Republicans that were uh, anti-Trump who did probably vote red down the line, but they voted for Joe Biden at the top of the ticket just because Donald Trump is such a horrible, toxic person. I'm hopeful, but at the same time, I fear that, you know, we've seen in the past the way press has handled things or how sometimes in this country or too often in this country we overlook crimes of people, especially white men in power. I'm concerned about that, and I hope that... With this new energy, with this new kind of positive energy, that we can make sure in order to achieve unity, I think the people who have committed crimes, including Donald Trump, who inspired and incited an insurrection attack at the Capitol, need to be held accountable.
1: You know, I hear what you're saying, and there are already, you know, debates, they're being called at uh, the Justice Department and, and, of course, the Republicans in Congress and the FBI on whether or not everyone that was involved should be investigated or let alone yeah. arrested. What are your thoughts?
0: I, I think they should absolutely. I mean, I don't, I don't understand why there would be a debate if somebody robbed a bank and deaths resulted I don't know anybody who would say, "Oh, we shouldn't investigate, we shouldn't prosecute, because it'll just make everybody uncomfortable." Uh, I think that I think that in order for us to avoid what almost happened, which is the toppling of our democratic republic, mm. I think we absolutely have to hold these people accountable. I don't believe that Donald Trump and some of the people that worked with him will be held, held accountable for absolutely every crime they've committed, mm. but, you know, in, in many instances, people like Donald Trump, who, you know, is guilty of laundering money, and I mean, I, I don't have the proof, but I think that's going to come out soon, I think that that's where, you know, for instance, mobsters in particular will, they will go to, they might murder 10 people, but they'll go to jail. For tax fraud or money laundering or something along those lines, mm-hmm. and so as much as I would like each and every crime that that Donald Trump and people in his administration committed to be addressed and to you know for for prosecution on each one i don 't think that's going to happen but i but I absolutely feel like we we can't sit back as a country and think that if it, that it's better and will create unity if we let criminals go free that 's the opposite of what i always viewed as the american way i yeah. mean truth justice in the american way that's the superman thing and yes. it's like, you know so we need to have justice we're never going to get full justice but we we need to have enough so that people looking on who have bad intentions right now negative intentions for this country will not feel so emboldened to continue trampling democracy
1: exactly how did you feel then? Uh, how did you react to the moment that Joe Biden finally officially became our 46th president? With, with of course, Kam- Kamala Harris, his vice president, and, by the way, president of the Senate.
0: Yes. Well, obviously, it was very exciting. And as a woman, I'm very happy to see that not only a woman is the vice president, but a woman of color. And she she's a remarkable woman. I mean, my first choice was Elizabeth Warren. Mm, uh,
1: mine too.
0: when yeah. it, it was actually... I I kind of vacillated between Warren and Harris. Some, most of the time, I was with Warren because she really does, in my opinion. I'm a progressive Democrat, but I consider myself a pragmatic progressive. I understand that we can't just, you know, burn everything down and start from scratch, and like burn everything down and then post progressivism. But, but I also really appreciated Kamala Harris's experience as as a prosecutor experience in the Senate when she was, I mean, when she was questioning Bill Barr, it was unbelievable. She's so good at what she does. And then she's also, I think, a progressive woman. Now, I know that some people have a problem with her, but that's because I think in any, you know, of course, whether when when you're in politics, no matter what you do, you're going to have people who don't like you. Mm. But as a woman, and as a woman of color, I think she's got extra obstacles and barriers, and she's going to have a lot to overcome. But what I felt that day was that it was odd because Mm. for All this time now, in my opinion, I felt like this country was abused, not just by Donald Trump, by the Republican Party, by white supremacists, by emboldened racists and sexists. And so I haven't experienced certain discriminations that other people have. It's all a matter of, you know, who you are and and what your individual experience is. But I think, like, on the whole, as a woman, I didn't feel as comfortable in my country and so watching Joe Biden become the 46th president and understanding what that means with a woman who is likely to be running in 2024, it was so overwhelming that it, it's still not fully processed in my mind. Mm. And like every once in a while, I, I, I remind myself, oh. Wow, <laughs> you know, we have a decent president, we have decent leadership, and he wasn't my first choice. But I absolutely believe, and I, and, and I continue to believe this more and more every day, that he is the man for this particular moment in time. As much as I love a leader like Elizabeth Warren, and I wish that her policies would be enacted, I can see where the, there's this huge divide in the country, where there is so much work to be done cleaning up the mess that was left, and I think that Joe Biden has the temperament, the empathy, and the experience for this particular moment.
1: Yes, I often uh, have conversations like that with my some of my impatient friends. and said, "You know, <laughs> for, there, there needs to be a time where we catch our breath. Yes. And you know, fix what's wrong and move forward at the same time are two not opposing points of view, but they are two energies. That demand yeah. uh, that demand everything, and you can't. You know, you need someone who's calm and collected, and and he's been around a long time. People like to make right. fun of his age, but the point is that age is experienced. Anyway, yeah. the worst is yet to come with COVID globally, not just here. What do you What do you do with new mask regulations and travel bans and lockdowns? How do you think Americans will respond to that?
0: Well, I'm I'm positive that there's going to be groups of Americans who absolutely don't want to do it, but I think the way to enforce it is, and I don't exactly know when you're just, you know, you've got all these stores, you can't have every store monitored by a police officer, mm-hmm. but when you can, I mean, so there, there's so much data now, everybody has their phone. And if, if, if somebody walks into a Starbucks or wherever it is and they're not wearing a mask and they're asked to leave and they refuse, they can be recorded. And eventually, I think there should be fines. I think there should be substantial fines. Just as a way, Just we do this with seatbelts. We do this, you know, you're not allowed to smoke in buildings. And th- there's all these rules that we have and people need to follow for the health of others. That's what this is about, the health of others, not just you. And so... While I know there's going to be pushback from angry, you know, just people who are, who are refusing to recognize science and how dangerous COVID actually is, I think those people should be forced to, you know, pay fines or face some kind of punishment for not following the rules. And then I also think that it's the job of the government if they're going to close us down, which I absolutely believe we should do this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we should close down the country for, you know, whether I don't know it would be up to somebody like Fauci or or or, or somebody an expert to determine a time frame, because they've done it in other countries. I mean, we can look at New Zealand mm-hmm. and people aren't sick, so and there are places in Europe people are out having fun and there's no COVID cases, no new COVID cases. So mm-hmm. whatever time frame that would be, set aside. Lock down the country, but then pay everybody. I think we should all be getting $2,000 checks and a guarantee that you will not lose your home and a guarantee that renters will not be forced out and evicted. So I think, I think, you know, we, we saw last time around that people like Kanye got $2 million yes. in, in, in PPP money. And that's ridiculous. Why is somebody like Kanye? getting money from the government when there are families out there who can't even afford to buy dinner because they haven't been working so if the govern I think the government should should lock down and I think that the government is responsible for taking care of the people again and most importantly you know nobody gets evicted nobody loses their house and we all get two thousand dollars so whether it's one or two months or month and a half or whatever so that we can all just get through this and lower that curve and at the same time we've got covid vaccines
1: mm.
0: finally i mean unfortunately because trump left uh, this you know this whole thing in a shambles biden is kind of having to start from scratch but i know that he's got the know-how and the experts to help him and i think that you know by the summer it's very plausible late summer we could be back to some kind of normal
1: mm-hmm. And you know, I'm glad you brought up all of that, and I'd like to just add this one little thing to remind people the money that we' are talking about, the stimulus, the keeping uh, Americans who are hurt the most by this with these stimulus package, that's our tax money we're not mm-hmm. pick, yeah, we're not exactly. pickpocking we're not pickpocking Mitch McConnell uh, right. a <laughs> I, I always say to Republicans, "What do you think taxes are for what, we it's yeah. i I think they are a loan to the government to take care of us. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's just a great know. way to say it, yes. Okay. I guess I, I, w- I do want to talk because I know you're big on education and, and women's rights, and, and of course, all that's been going on lately. I've always thought civics, are being schooled, but we're going to take a short break. We are having a marvelous conversation with Kimberly A. Johnson. And again, through the bio at the beginning, you know she's done so many things, but particularly uh, she has her, hosts her own podcast and is an author and, of course, stands tall uh, for women's rights constitutionally as well as pragmatically. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back with Kimberly A. Johnson. Stay with us. And now, enjoy Watchfire Music featuring vocal artist. Jenny Burton singing Tear Down the House from Is Anybody Listening?
0: and for all now we we'll it, build it for
1: the child and you it for the child, child you. Yeah and hearts now we'll build it we'll build it for all
0: the world to all the world. once in the past those who built it did the things they had to do
1: with the highest intention. but
0: something happened
1: along the way uh, something
0: happened along the way something managed to go astray it's true now we
1: to the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio program. Our reasonable voice today, Kimberly A. Johnson, who describes herself as a progressive Democrat and certainly has very strong opinions about women's rights, Constitution, law and order. And I'm going to get off some of the hot issues only because this should be a hot issue, given all of the what we've been seeing of violence and insurrection and so forth. And we know it hasn't gone away doesn't go away especially when people are allowed to just walk away it's still there so i wonder what do you think about the education curriculum our generally speaking in public schools civics has not been taught since i taught and that's been a while so how do we include civics and do you think it's even needed
0: oh i absolutely do i mean i i've talked about this extensively on my podcast that i went to i grew up in southern california and went to public school And unfortunately, I can, you know, firsthand experience can say that the Southern California public school system is inferior to Maryland public school system. I do remember in, I had come back to Maryland briefly when I was in the sixth grade, and I remember having a social studies class in Maryland. Mm. I, I never had one in California. And I think that it, I think that every student, and not everyone agrees with me on this point. But I think that not only should civics be mandatory, I think that every student has to pass that class in order to graduate high school. I think that if they do not pass civics, that it, it's a mandatory thing. And I don't think it should be a... I think that they should be able to describe what government is. I, you know, I don't think it should just be like a, uh, an pick A, B, C, or D answer. Mm. I think that People need to fully because, and I say this because when I was a younger person, I wasn't really interested in politics or, and there were certain, obviously in school, there were certain subjects that I really liked and I would do very well. And then I struggled in the subjects that I wasn't so interested in. Mm. And so I feel like if I would have understood the role of the Supreme Court and that the president. Mm nominates a supreme court justice but the senate votes them in i honestly believe that i would have had much more interest in government because i would have realized that it affected my personal life and so many of us don't know that or you know there there are all these people who who say oh both both parties are the same i don't trust the government but when you understand how the government works Mm and you understand how it affects you personally, not just your, your wallet, but the choices that you are permitted. You know, I mean, the government can decide if you can have an abortion. Mm. In some states, they've made it, I mean, it's legal, but they've made it impossible because they've gotten rid of abortion clinics, yes. and there's nowhere, and that's actually, I think during the Trump presidency and I don't have the statistics in front of me mm-hmm. but I saw that his the efforts that were made during his presidency to get rid of abortion actually made it worse. The it, the clinics were gone so I think the deal was there weren't any clinics available to young women in mm-hmm. whatever community and then so the instances of pregnancies unwanted pregnancies rose and then the ab- instances of abortions rose. Mm-hmm. So I think that people really truly need to understand how government works, and that the best way to do that is to get you when you're young and get young people to the point of they can explain government. You know, to somebody who doesn't
1: understand it exactly. And if, if people were listening, all you have to do is remember any of those uh, Jay Leno's when, uh, episodes when he was on the street asking people basic questions about government, mm-hmm. right. and they yeah. couldn't—they couldn't even identify the three branches of government. This is important stuff. We're not making fun of people. We're just saying if you know, no. as they say, knowledge is power. Go get the right. knowledge.
0: Yes, and and I just—I'd like to add though that uh, this has been a result of decades of Republicans defunding education and that never gets the money never goes back in and, and we're at a point right now where teachers are not only not making enough money to even you know have a, a normal kind of a life there they they don't have enough school supplies and you see people on the internet who are doing crowdsourcing for teachers so that they can have the tools that they need to teach It's really, we need to fund education.
1: Exactly. Everyone talks about their, you know, about teachers and their their favorite teacher, the teacher they remember and why. I have a story I'm sure you do too, and yet they are paid so little. If they're so valuable, so necessary, why can't we give them a, a reasonable wage? Okay. Right. I do want to get to your books. I mean, once again, we're talking about an embarrassment of riches, although I'm not embarrassed at all, and I know you you aren't, but, you know, where do we start? I mean, Peyton's Choice, American Woman, the pole dance, I love that. Women in Voting, <laughs> pole spelled Poll spelled P O L L. The Virgin Diaries, Ain't No Sunshine. You you choose. T- tell us.
0: Well, I'll tell you, I, I started with The Virgin, my, my first book was The Virgin Diaries, and it was just kind of an off-the-cuff idea. I was not an author or a writer. My mother is, and so i just said wouldn't it be interesting one night i said wouldn't it be interesting if there was a documentary about how people lost their virginity and then mm. so we started talking about it and it turned into well it would be a better book with people submitting their stories anonymously because they would be really honest mm. and so long story short it, initially i was just going to interview women i had a set of questions like, it was like 25 questions and then it turned into men and then it just turned into we invited gay people and we only got, I think, six gay people. Mm-hmm. I would have liked more, but at the time, I was not. I didn't have a big social media following. I was just actually asking people on different websites, like, like something like Craigslist, to volunteer their stories. Mm-hmm. And so, eventually, my mother and I both worked on this together. We would collect stories together. She edited it. We, we put it together with a friend of ours, Ralph Faust. One book led to another, the next one was Ain't No Sunshine, it was Men Revealed the Pain of Heartbreak, and that came about because a friend of mine said she felt that when men go, when, when men experience heartache, they don't feel like they can express it, mm. that, that it's much harder for them than, than women, even though sometimes women think men have it much easier, and so we set out to interview men, and we did, you know, we got such an interesting cross-section of men, stories, it was all kinds of heartbreak and and going back to the virgin diaries it, it was interesting because you know there were it was all these people i think we interviewed 72 men and women and mm. they described what it was like to have first time sex and everybody that i asked you know would you like to share your story they would say oh my story's so boring <laughs> and i said it's really not because i'm not just asking you about the act itself i'm asking you about all the emotions that went into it before during and after what were your expectations what did you learn about it what rumors did you hear did you get any advice from your parents etc and so you know i i wanted to i didn't want to focus on the sexual act so much i wanted to focus on the the emotional experience of of having first-time sex and you know and then i wrote the american woman the pole dance because i wanted to kind of document my experiences as an online blogger, as a women's rights activist, and also I wanted to share stories from other women, prominent women, whether they were Republican or Democrat. it didn't matter. I just wanted to showcase women who have been powerful and influential in our society and what it meant. And I also wrote about the Equal Rights Amendment in that book and the need to ratify it. We're almost there. Mm. I think we've got two years to do it, So, or actually it might just be one at this point. I'm not exactly sure on that because since last, it was last January, Virginia was the last state needed to ratify it and now there's a deadline that was attached to it that has to be removed. So this is up to Congress, it's gonna be a legal battle. Anyway, so I wrote The American Woman. A little bit of historical information but mostly it was written for my younger self for when I was early 20s, not paying attention to politics and I wanted to convince young women to get interested, so I, I chose to write about personal experiences in my life, whether it was slut shaming or, you know, just different things that I've encountered along the way to try to prove to people that, hey, voting really does matter. And, yes. it, 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 you know, you can make a big difference. And then the last book that I wrote was Peyton's Stories, and that was a fiction, that was the only fiction book that I've ever written. And I wanted to write a book about teen abortion and I wanted to do it in a way that uh, we often hear when women are faced with, you know, that choice, that it's such a hard choice to make. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for some people, it isn't. For some people, they're just so grateful that they have the offer. They don't want to be a mother or they don't want to go through whatever their reason is. They don't want to have the child. So they choose to terminate the pregnancy and it's nobody's business. And I did take Time in this book to really go through the emotions that a teenager would have in making this choice, mm-hmm. and I loose. I, I put the, the character is very loosely based on me and my experiences growing up in a small, well, not too small, but a, a Southern California beach town, mm-hmm. and it was the backdrop of my high school years. And I never had an abortion, and I, you know, the girl in the book, Peyton, had a a, a degree to UCLA. i, I Got a, de- or I'm sorry, she got not a degree i can never remember the word even though i wrote the book she basically she was funded to go to ucla and a scholarship and some states right now are it's still legal to have an abortion but they are using things like trap laws and other other reasons to close down clinics so it's abortion and choice is not available and so yes it's legal but it's not available And I just wanted to point out the importance of that choice, and I didn't want to turn it into something that was, you know, like this awful decision. Nobody wants to have an abortion. You know, what I mean, it's like it's like nobody wants to get a colonoscopy. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But mm-hmm. you're grateful for the procedure, and so that's you know that's what it really ultimately comes down to. And I I wanted to write that book because I felt like you know as a woman who has always had that opportunity and I'm watching it slip away. I just wanted to stress the importance of it.
1: And that's Peyton's choice. We're talking about yeah. everyone, yes. All right. We want to make certain before we go, we let everyone know how they can get a hold of your books. But back to a a little bit of um, politics. Not that abortion has been made a political issue, but what do you think about the Democrats' double Senate victory in Georgia? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) What are your thoughts? I'm very
0: happy about it, and you know, I'm very hopeful, and I think that it it is representative of the work. That Stacey Abrams has done. Yes. I think she's amazing. Although I, I, I would love to just make sure that I appreciate everyone who voted in this election. It was, it was a lot. I mean, more people voted for Donald Trump this time than they did last time, and that's upsetting to me. I can't believe that. I, I, I just can't believe that. But, but I think that this, this victory, it was so incredibly important. It's going to really help Biden. Achieve his agenda, at least for the next two years. I hope that voters out there don't get complacent. I know that when Obama, you know, won first time around, I, I feel like the Democrats did a terrible job in what was it, 2010, mm-hmm. because he, you know, they they lost to the Tea Party, and then it happened again in 2014. And we have to another reason I think we need civics back in schools is to educate the, the the public about the importance of midterm elections because you know the president yes the president can sign executive orders and he obviously or she obviously has a huge amount of power but the legislature is the you know the or congress decides the laws that we have to live with and so people I don't know why people don't think that's so important. I mean like I said earlier a lot of people write it off as if, oh, both parties are the same, but they're not. And so we need to show up. Every Democrat needs to show up in 2022, because if, if we don't, Biden's going to lose the power that he has right now. Uh,
1: you know, and since you mentioned a, a very important thing to, uh, to be reminded of, that uh, Donald Trump won more votes in his second run in 2020 than he did in 2016, mm-hmm. how then, how do we listen our way to homeland security? I mean, in, in a house divided against itself, I think, as I when I direct actors, I think the, the most powerful thing is listening, and it's not easy to listen these days to people who are not just speaking against anything you would even consider as an American society, but we have to find out what on earth, because Donald Trump is not responsible for all of those votes. Some of no. those people really f- feel... Strongly that he is was a better alternative. So what do we do? How do we how do we bridge the gap?
0: Well, I mean, my take on all of this, and it's 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 a heavy lift. That's not going to happen immediately. Um, I think we need to get rid of big money in politics. We need to overturn Citizens United. I think we need to. Um, and and you're asking about listening. I don't know if if it's possible to convince somebody in you know who who. A lot of Republicans right now are turning to conspiracy theories, and that's very worrisome. Not all of them are, but some of them are. They're they're looking at this QAnon, and they think that liberals literally eat babies. Mm. And I don't know if listening is even going to matter. But I think that if we can get rid of Citizens United, if we can abolish the Electoral College or get rid of that, I think we need to find a way to hold Fox News and OANN and all these other propaganda networks accountable mm-hmm. uh, it's not just as easy as bringing back the fairness doctrine because I believe the fairness doctrine only it only had to do with television as opposed to cable I, I don't know exactly how we would do it but I think that we need to figure out a way to stop people from telling blatant lies on these programs, that they they say our news programs when they're really just propaganda mm. um, I think I think you know it's it's coupled with bringing back education uh, the civics education I think in schools if, if you understand how government works uh, you are more likely to make better choices and then the other thing that I you know I would not be opposed to see is some kind of mandatory service that not necessarily military service but some kind of after high school before college that you somehow have to serve helping others because i think people who have lived in the same town and never experienced anything different have a much more difficult time understanding compassion and what it's like for people who are different than they are mm. and you know i mean it, like i said it's a heavy lift i don't think there's an easy answer but i think we definitely have to start with some of the some like the citizens united and and you know, getting rid of the Electoral College, and, and, and also either just getting rid of gerrymandering altogether. Yes. Just let the votes fall where they're going to fall. I think that, you know, it, there's so much to be done, and I certainly don't have all the answers, but judging from everything that I've seen in the last, you know, as I've been a outspoken big mouth online and everything, and political blogger in the last 10 years, it looks to me like, you know, there are a couple of things that we could do that would make a real difference, but it's just going to take some time. I don't know how to deprogram people who have been on a steady diet of lies and disinformation now for as long as Fox has been around. I I don't know. The only thing I can say is somehow we have to regulate it or find a way to keep them from blatant lying.
1: It's a difficult road to hoe when you're talking about the media, even though I hear you and agree that the media has been so abused too. but, But I do think if uh, we could get politicians to think about us instead of themselves, I do think and often thought it could be a crime for a candidate running for office to tell a lie. Mm-hmm. To, you know, and, and I know they what do you mean, how can you legislate lying? Well, well maybe we can't g- generally, but for a candidate running for office, we have a right to expect the truth from them mm-hmm. and to make that lying in that capacity it may be a small beginning, but I think that would, along with uh, Citizens United and, you know, all the other things you've mentioned. Anyway, we do need to go soon, but here we are with uh, COVID-19 and SARS-2 going into year two and new strands with vaccine shortages. What can we do? What do you think?
0: Well, I mean, that uh, you know, boy, Joe Biden has a lot on his plate. Yes. Um, I do have faith in him, and I think that we're going to... I know. I saw a story about Johnson & Johnson is just about ready Mm -hmm. to, I don't know what, I I don't know if they're ready, I think it's just ready to start making them, but they have a vaccine that's only one dose, and it doesn't need, I think it only needs to be refrigerated. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have all of these options. Right now, we're just dealing with, like I said earlier, this huge mess that Donald Trump left us, so they're going to have to clean that up. I think once... once we can get that cleaned up, the the biggest hurdle that we have in front of us are the COVID deniers or the COVID... the the people who who don't want to believe it's as dangerous as it is.
1: Mm -hmm. And,
0: you know, you've seen those memes going around the Internet with the women they call Karens who refuse to wear masks. And, you know, those people are a problem. And we're just just going to have to deal with that. And I don't know where the chips are going to fall. I just hope that enough people get vaccinated and enough people social distance and wear masks so that you know i mean when again when you take a look at a, a country like new zealand they've gotten rid of all the new cases and as soon as i think there was a couple four people who got uh... cases after they had opened everything up and everything was down all the covid cases were down four new cases popped up they shut down the country again mm-hmm. and you know that's the best way to do it so I don't know what Joe Biden's going to do, but I, 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 I do trust that he he has the best people advising him, and I feel like fairly, I feel like we do have a light at the end of this tunnel. It could have been a lot shorter tunnel, yes. but, you know, it's we're just going to have to wait it out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are going to be people who refuse to follow those guidelines and directions, and some of them are going to get it, and some of them Are gonna have lifelong problems and some of them are gonna die Mm. and I I I wish that that wasn't the case even with the people that are refusing to pay attention to you know the urgency of this but if they insist on behaving this way this is what this is what they're inviting so you know I mean it's 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 sad and it's ridiculous but it's where we are and I just hope that we can I hope that, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg had said the pendulum always swings in the opposite direction. And so we've been in such a negative place for so long that I hope that this, the pendulum of whether it's public opinion, public sentiment, all of it swings in a more positive direction. And that includes the direction of COVID.
1: All right, our guest today, Kimberly Johnson, has her own podcast, and she Hmm. has to begin it in 45 minutes, but before we go, please, Kimberly, let us know, tell us more about your podcast, start me up, and how we can get your books.
0: Okay, well, you can get my books on Amazon, just under Kimberly Johnson, make sure you spell my name correctly, though, because uh, my mother added an extra E, so it's K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y, there's an E between the L and the Y, so anyway you can just go to amazon you can read about my books there and get them and i always like to ask that if you do get my books and if you like them please give me a review because authors depend on reviews and then my start me Up podcast is primarily focused on politics but it's interesting because today i'm going to be interviewing james reynolds and he plays abe carver on days of our lives Mm -hmm. and i played a police officer on days of our lives so i used to work with him often and i always loved him so much so He's, I'm going to talk to him a little bit about politics, but we're going to talk about his craft and his experience as an actor. Occasionally on my podcast, I do interview actors because I was one, but most of the time I focus on politics. And, you know, sometimes I'll invite someone on for an interview where I where I do the interview and ask them questions. Other times, I just have discussions. You know, it's political mm-hmm. discussion. What's your opinion? What do you think about this? And that's the gist of it. And it's you can find my. Um, I'm on iTunes. It's called Start Me Up with Kimberly Johnson. I'm on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. And then also, you can find my link directly on it's patreon.com Com/startmeup. That's where you can find me.
1: Okay. Any final parting words you want us to take from this conversation? I know you have to go.
0: Yes. Um, well, it was just it was lovely talking to you, and I appreciate the opportunity.
1: Well, okay. I appreciate that, too. I am so glad to have had you on the show. We wish you all the best. I know you have to run do your own show. We'll be listening. Take care. All
0: right. Thank you so much. Take thank care. You.
1: Bye. Bye. And now, from WatchFireMusic.com, vocal artist Jenny Burton, singing, Who Will Heal the World?
0: Who will heal the world, who will stir the ashes, who will bring the
1: barren land to birth? Who will rescue the fallen man,
0: mend the broken hearted, build the families, give back the dignity that's now been taken away?
1: Marcello Rolando, the reasonable voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Putin, McConnell, Trump, mass shootings equal no USA Homeland Security. Long before pretend tycoons, historical fascists excelled in divide and conquer the populace by conveniently identifying common enemies to distract from political coercion, power lust, and financial plunder, keeping all yearning to breathe free of fear, vulnerable, and doomed to what is past is prologue. The Department of Justice policy regarding indicting a sitting president while based on time-honored memos from the Office of Legal Counsel is not the law of the land. Indeed, our Constitution remains mute on whether a president can face criminal prosecution in court, and the U.S. Supreme Court has yet to address the issue definitively. Just as an unratified Equal Rights Amendment cannot guarantee gender equality, believing an OLC memo is constitutional law makes an ass out of you and me. Inciting violence, however, is a felony, according to 18 U.S. Code 373, and thus an impeachable offense. And by the way, laws protecting education, environment, equal opportunities, and peaceful coexistence cannot be changed by a president daring the 25th Amendment to combine his and Wayne LaPierre's personal haul on the backs of taxpayers and membership fees unless we, the grassroots, allow such mockery to supplant rational thought. Still addicted to NRA marketing tools? Donald Trump, and the only thing that stops a bad man with a gun is a good man with a gun, Wayne LaPierre absconds with millions of NRA member dues, while officials defend police who murder and ignore those who sacrifice to defend. Listen, most nations experience video games and mental health issues, but too often in America, we wall up our mentally ill in private prisons for profit. Thus, It's no longer enough to follow the money. We must transform our judicial system into a competent engine recapturing ill-gotten gain and channeling it from those who profit from baiting hate with fear of losing guns into investments ensuring the welfare of veterans, teachers, and the underemployed of every race, sexual choice, and philosophy, revitalizing our DOJ with our commitment to justice for all. We, the people, have inspired the world's growing desire for democracy. Perhaps it's time we take a refresher course in the courage of Puerto Rico, Hong Kong, and Moscow citizens, and rise up to walk the walk of all our rocket's red glare, land of the free talk. Realizing atop the list of endangered species Trump's clan is willing to sacrifice, on the altar of short-sightedness for profit, is the human species assuring homeland insecurity for our children in eighteen eighty six france awarded americans the statue of liberty in recognition of america as the lighthouse to safe harbor reaffirming its promise when the emma lazarus poem was cast onto a bronze plaque and mounted inside lady liberty's pedestal in 1903 thus america given the powerful gift to see ourselves as others see us cannot now allow pence conservatism cuccinelli homophobia u s c i s director francis cassina's invisible wall stephen miller's immigration bias epstein's pedophilia enablers Farmers' corporatism's opiate-induced addictions, Trump ineptitude, and our institutional systematic greed for power embedded in the U.S. Senate and embodied in Russian-Rubbled Moscow Mitch to redefine us. There is no preserving homeland security, no protecting school children, and no defending first responders when McConnell's trumped enablers avert their eyes from China's militarizing its border with Hong Kong. Kim Jong-un's nuclear target practice with impunity in the airspace of American allies, South Korea and Japan, and Russia's attempt at creating a flying nuclear reactor with Putin's inability to do so without injecting the atmosphere with nuclear radiation. If social media platforms are now accepted influencers, then we, the influence, need choose carefully for whom we're encouraged to vote for our personal homeland security depends on trusting the diagnosis of the agenda of online posts. Unless Americans are kept safe from people like Charles and David Koch, Mike Pence, William Barr, John Mercer, Mitch McConnell, and Donald Trump, who enable the hate that insists no room in the inn without a good credit rating, no child will be safe and no homeland security achievable americans claiming america has always been the best and greatest at everything need now to actualize to those much is given much is expected the lies we tell ourselves destabilize every family's homeland security it is not mental illness that kills multiple human beings in seconds it's high capacity magazines and military style rifles easily accessible to civilians killing for homeland security for white people. Donald Trump's piggyback envy of despots is only the fuse, fueled by the desperation rattle of Senate cowards, a hypocritical VP, internationally rented Senate majority leader, and NRA leadership extortion. But it is not high crimes and misdemeanors until we light it. The greatest threat to our borders, our peace of mind, our exceptional idyllic potential, our promises kept, and our homeland security is those who enable a mad president. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.